From NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News, this is the Lone Star Politics Podcast. I'm Chris Blake. We're just six weeks from Election Day, and early voting in Texas starts on October 13th. As the big day draws near, we'll take a closer look at some of the highly contested races in North Texas. This week, we focus on the race for Texas's 32nd Congressional District, which covers parts of northern Dallas County. Julie Fine and Gromer Jeffers will talk separately with incumbent Democrat Colin Allred and his Republican challenger Genevieve Collins. Democrats flipped the seat in 2018 when Allred defeated eight-term incumbent Republican Pete Sessions. Now, Republicans are invested in winning it back. But first, let's get a little quick background on the district. Allred won it by six and a half points two years ago, and while Beto O'Rourke lost statewide to Ted Cruz in the Senate race that year, he carried the district by more than 10 points. In the 2016 presidential election, Hillary Clinton narrowly won the district over Donald Trump by less than two points. But the district's move to the left has been quick and sharp. The same year that Clinton carried it, Democrats did not run a candidate in the congressional race, and Sessions garnered 71% of the vote. In 2014, when Democrats did oppose Sessions, he won by 26 points. Going back even further in recent presidential elections, Mitt Romney won it by 15 points over Barack Obama eight years ago, John McCain won the district by 12 points in 2008, and four years before that, George Bush won it over John Kerry by 24 points. So that recent shift is a big reason why Republicans are putting a lot of resources into this race. On to the candidates. Allred played parts of five seasons in the NFL before getting his law degree and becoming an attorney. As he runs for re-election, he joins Julian Gromer to discuss the COVID-19 response, social injustice, and the election. Colin Allred, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Let's begin with this, some issues in Washington. The speaker has talked about keeping Congress in session until there is another COVID-19 relief package. How do you feel about that? Well, I think we should stay in session until we get a package, and I think we will. We passed the HEROES Act back in May at that time. Uh, Mitch McConnell said that we wanted to take a pause. Well, since that pause happened, we've crossed 200,000 Americans dead. Uh, three and a half million Texans have lost their jobs or are on unemployment. And so we know that we have to take action now. Here in North Texas, we've got a lot of high stakes, a lot of priorities. Our airline industry is in real danger of losing over 100,000 jobs. A lot of those would be right here. I've been in close touch with uh, Southwest Airlines and American Airlines, and we're working hard to make sure we take care of them. And there's just so much work we have to do, and I don't think we should go home until we get it done. You're at loggerheads with Republicans. Is it, is it even possible to get a deal done? And where do you think, how do you think you do that? You know, I, maybe I'm an optimist, but I do think it's possible, and I do think that we will. As you know, Grummer, D.C. loves to have a deadline, and I think the end of this month is in many ways a deadline for us, and so I think that we will get a deal done. It won't be everything that was in the HEROES Act, and that's fine. You know, my position to our leadership has always been that we can't have any sacred cows, uh, that we have to be willing to negotiate, that we have to be willing to come down, and we have. We've come down in these negotiations already over a trillion dollars from what we passed in the HEROES Act, and if we need to go further, I think we should, because uh, we have to get something done. It may not be everything that either party wants, but I think the American people and certainly the folks in North Texas, Texas expect us to do that. And I think we will, I really do. And like I said, I don't think we can go home until we do. Representative Allred, after the death of George Floyd and the shooting of Jacob Blake, there have been calls across the country to defund the police department. And actually in certain cities, Austin included, Austin uh, defunded police by 100 and 
and $50 million. Do you support defunding police departments? No, I don't. But I think that we shouldn't be distracted by a slogan like defund the police or by fear-mongering, like some folks out there trying to say that you know, largely peaceful protests are, you know, uh, something that is not sincere and not sincere, heartfelt expressions of folks who feel like they've lost confidence in the relationships between our communities of color and our police. And this is an opportunity for us to address something that has gone unaddressed for far too long in our country. And here in North Texas, we've seen this time and time again with Sandra Bland or Botham John or Jordan Edwards, and the list goes on. And we know that we have to do something, uh, but we can't get caught up in these slogans. The slogans are easy, but change is hard. And delivering real reform uh, to our police departments and also providing them with the tools they need is going to be hard. Uh, we've done that in the House with the bill that we passed, the Justice and Policing Act. It didn't defund the police. In fact, the ACLU opposed it because they said that it didn't go far enough. Uh, but it was an effort to try and combat some of what we're seeing through, yes, accountability for the police, but also reforms and even additional funding where needed uh, to make sure that we restore this uh, relationships and restore the confidence. Turning now to the election, you're running for your second term. Why should voters reelect you? Well, first of all, it's been the honor of my life to represent this community where I was born and raised, where my mother was a public school teacher. Uh, I've tried everything I can during this term to represent who I think we are here in North Texas and to put us first, from delivering on Garland VA Hospital, which is uh, something that I'm incredibly proud that we were able to get done. Uh, it's going to allow us to create 5,000 jobs in Garland, better serve 184,000 veterans, to passing the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement, which would not have passed the House without folks like me pushing, which is also why the Chamber of Commerce uh, endorsed me and gave me a 95% bipartisan rating, in part because of the work that I've done uh, to make sure that we reach across the aisle where necessary. And so, you know, I've tried my best. We're holding 25 town halls, uh, to keep my ear to the ground, to serve this community. It's been an honor, and I hope that I have the chance to continue to serve. Your opponent, Representative Allred Genevieve Collins, has sort of labeled you as a Nancy Pelosi, the House Speaker, a Nancy Pelosi enabler, and a Washington insider. How do you respond to that? Well, it's pretty funny to me that I might be a Washington insider, given that I just got here, and we've got a lot of work to do. Uh, but I think it's, it speaks pretty loudly uh, when the U.S. Chamber of Commerce was does not endorse Democrats, as you know, uh, endorses someone like me and uh, says that they're doing it uh, because of my bipartisan work. I think that speaks for itself in terms of the work we've done. The Garland VA Hospital would not have happened were it not for my ability to work with my colleagues here in North Texas on a bipartisan basis uh, to push the VA for that to happen. So certainly, uh, I think, distinguish ourselves. But we have to, also, have to also recognize that we are facing an unprecedented crisis here with COVID-19 on the public health side, and on the economic side. And then we need folks who will tell the truth, who won't tell you that the virus is gonna go away or that it's a hoax, but who will also work with anyone they have to work with to deliver results. I think I've shown that I can do that and I hope I can continue trying to do that. Congressman Colin Allred, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you all so much. Take care of yourself. Genevieve Collins has deep Dallas roots and politics runs in her family. Her great-uncle served in Congress from 1968 to 1983, and her grandmother was the first woman elected to the Dallas City Council in 1957. Collins served as an executive at an education technology firm before running for Congress. Back to Julian Gromer with Genevieve Collins. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you both for having me.
you're running to be a member of Congress. What more should Congress be doing to provide COVID-19 relief or assistance? Well, first off, they should pass a bill that would give more small businesses and businesses alike more funding to ensure that they're able to keep their businesses open. And furthermore, I think we also need to make sure that we're over-resourcing communities that we now struggle with exposure and to COVID, and whether that's minority communities or senior citizen homes, we should over-resource those communities and ensure everyone with pre-existing conditions has an opportunity to get fair, equal quality healthcare at, at an immediate point in time. Ms. Collins, let's talk about the social unrest after the killing of George Floyd and the shooting of Jacob Blake. Do you believe that police brutality against Black Americans is a problem? And if so, what reforms would you support? Well, what happened to those men and so many other Black Americans around our country is unacceptable and avoidable and should never have happened. It's important that we recognize that police reform is necessary. It needs to happen, making sure that there's a federal registry for cops that continue to promote bad policy and hurt people's lives, but also ensuring that we have better protocols and training academies to ensure that this is avoidable and never happens to any American again. Defunding the police? I do not believe in defunding the police, no. I think that the Dallas police force is already 600 officers short, and it's inappropriate and unrealistic for this Dallas police department to be further defunded. We need to be overfunding. We need to be supporting our police officers to ensure that they have proper training, to ensure that this never happens in Dallas, and to ensure that our communities are safe. Ms. Collins, you're making your first run for public office, and it comes at a time when the nation is dealing with a pandemic, I just mentioned the social unrest, all kinds of economic issues. Do you have the experience necessary to effectively represent District 32 in Congress? Gromer, I absolutely have the experience to represent our community. You know, I'm not just born and raised here in Dallas. I've helped build a business here. When I started at iStation, we had 36 employees and a great mission to ensure that every child could read and do math on grade level. I've helped grow that business to now over 300 employees, which means I know and have created jobs. I know and have balanced the budget, and I have forecasted growth, which is exactly what the federal government needs more of, more real business experience. But even more so, I've spent my entire career working with every school district that makes up this congressional district. So I have the experience of ensuring that every child is prepared for a thriving future, the experience to support our teachers who are, quite frankly, front line on this entire pandemic and ensuring that parents and administrators are all heard so that everyone can succeed in our community. I am the only one with that real experience here in District 32. And uh, Ms. Collins, do you support uh, you're a Republican. Do you support the uh, policies of President Donald Trump? And what grade would you give him in his handling of the pandemic? Well, quite frankly, Gromer, it's important for our district to know that I am trying to run and represent myself because I am a new breed of Republican. This is, I am a young, dynamic, fresh businesswoman that has spent her entire career here. I believe in economic policies like standing up to China. I believe that the government should never pick 
winners and losers in business. I think that's been an enormous overreach from the government during the pandemic. And I think that it's important that we ensure that we keep our country safe. But what about President Trump, Ms. Collins? Do you support his policies? And what do you think I, about his handling of the pandemic? Well, I'm not going to agree with anyone 100% of the time. I support some of his policies, especially when it comes to the economy. I think that he has demonstrated that this administration knows how to create hundreds or millions, excuse me, millions of jobs. Um, but I never agree with anyone 100% of the time. And the pandemic? Quite frankly, could anyone be prepared for a pandemic, Gromer? This is something that no one is really ready for until it hits. I think we're all waiting through the pandemic, whether it's federal, state, or local officials. We're all doing our best to keep Americans safe and keep Americans working. District 32 has been trending blue for some time. Hillary Clinton won it. Former El Paso Representative Beto O'Rourke won it. And so did Representative Allred pretty handily last time around. Given that reality, how do you unseat him? Well, Julie, I'm really excited that women and independent voters and even Democrat voters are coming into my campaign in droves. What I'm trying to represent is a real authentic businesswoman, but champion for all of our community. And that's something that I think our community is really striving for. Not just someone who's going to be lip service and say that they're a bipartisan moderate, but yet then go vote with Nancy Pelosi 100% of the time. You can't be a bipartisan moderate if you only toe the party line 100% of the time. And even worse, vote with AOC and her squad 93% of the time. This is inappropriate. This is unrealistic. And I won't allow Dallas to turn into San Francisco or the New York area. Candidate for Congress, Genevieve Collins, thanks so much for joining us this morning. I appreciate you both. We'll continue to take a closer look at some of the most competitive races in North Texas as Election Day draws closer. Remember, the deadline to register to vote in Texas is October 5th, and early voting starts eight days after that. The backdrop to this fall's election is, of course, the coronavirus pandemic. As more and more districts in North Texas return to class, at least partially in person, several schools have had to cancel football games, quarantine large groups of students, and in some cases, even return entirely to remote learning. The Texas Education Agency unveiled a new dashboard to track COVID-19 cases on Thursday, and that data shows that since the start of the school year, more than 4,500 students and staff had tested positive through last week. NBC5 education reporter Wayne Carter joins the podcast to discuss the challenges facing school districts as they try to get students back on campus. NBC5 education reporter Wayne Carter, welcome to the Lone Star Politics podcast. How are you, my friend? I'm excited to be on a podcast. <laughs> I bet, man. <laughs> I, I tell you, uh, I miss, you know, usually on a Friday is heavy traffic, you know, or whenever I'm coming to, to the newsroom. And you're usually the first person I see when I come <laughs> in. Before I see my newsroom wife, I see you. Uh, well, it's because my desk is right by the door. <laughs> well, you know, it was Wayne that announced that you and I were married, Gromer. That's, that's we were true. Spouses. That's Remember that, Wayne? Right. Yeah, hey, we all have a newsroom spouse. Exactly. But look, you've been talking to parents, teachers, students throughout this process, uh, the pandemic. What do you think the morale is like? How are they feeling going back into classes, whether it's virtual or or in person? 
Well, it's funny we're on a political show because I, I, I kind of think it's how America is right now. It's divided. I mean, there are, there are a lot of families out there who are so eager to be back in school. They believe that is where kids belong. And the return to school has been great for them. And there are a solid number of people who feel the opposite way, that it's not safe. It just doesn't make sense. Why would you put your kids at risk to come into contact with this? And, and while so many people criticize virtual learning, there are a lot of families who really believe it's working for them. And, you know, they, these are families who are saying, much like we're socially distanced right now and I'm working from home, there's no reason that our, their kids can't either. And then I like to think that kind of like uh, those of us who are moderate, there are a lot of people in the middle. There are a lot of families who, and, and I've said this on the air many times, we were a house divided in, in the Carter household. You know, one of us wanted to send the kids back and one of us wanted to keep them home. And we had a lot of back and forth about the pluses and minuses of both. And I think there are a lot of families that are in the middle. I spoke to a, a family just last week who decided to stay at home and the child is doing really well. She loves virtual learning, but when that family feels it's comfortable, they're probably going to go back because she misses the social interaction. So it, it, it's really, there's a good chunk of people who are just kind of in the middle on this and, and trying to figure it out day by day as they look at the numbers and, and look at what's going on. I think some people are reacting to the real-time news and others are just kind of going with their gut of what they believe in. Wayne, also, it's got to be an adjustment for the teachers, the employees, the administrators. Huge adjustment for them as well. Well, I, I think they're going through the same dilemmas. I think there are some teachers who are dying to be in the classroom. I think there are some teachers who are scared to death of being in the classroom. And one of the things that's been really interesting and something that we're tackling on NBC5 that you're going to see shortly on the story we're working on is that there are a lot of teachers who are teaching from home and um, they may have students in the classroom but they're still at home because that's where they feel like they need to be and I joked earlier on the show that we're, we're learning what independent school district means. COVID has really taught us that because there is no state level mandate. Sure TEA gives us guidelines of things that we should follow. And, and some of them are mandated because if you don't follow the guidelines, you don't get any money. But really, school districts are, are given a lot of flexibility to figure out what works for them. And some of them are, are sympathizing with the, those teachers who, who feel strongly not to be in the classroom. Others are being more strict. I would imagine, Wayne, there's a lot of frustration with parents who listen to politicians pontificate about well, you need to be in school or, or it's not safe enough or whatever side they're coming from. But yet, uh, the solutions, I mean, no one's really, from a political standpoint, sometimes they're light on solutions. I, I bet that's frustrating, right? I think it is frustrating for, for many people and many people who don't consider themselves political, but they've, they're kind of caught in right. about this. I don't think anyone ever thought that figuring out how to educate children would become political. 
but it has. And, you know, it, it's one of those things I, I look at, at Tarrant County a lot when I, you know, it's what comes to mind when you ask me this question, because, you know, I, I stood outside of, of Judge Whitley's office with, with hundreds of parents who went and protested that they wanted their kids back in school and that they did not want one health director in Tarrant County making the decision that their kids can't be in school. And those parents yelled and they, and, and they you know, made their point. And then Austin listened and the AG said, yeah, I agree with them. And that one guy in Tarrant County can't legally make that decision a bunch of schools open. But then other districts said, all right, well, we don't have to listen to the Tarrant County Health Director, but there's nothing saying we can't listen to him. And they've still been listening. And so some districts are doing what the Tarrant County Health Director wants and some are not. And, and it's just kind of, and that's why I say you really are seeing the control that these, these school districts have. And they're operating independently and making decisions themselves as to what works. And I think that's why you're going to see some schools where uh, things, COVID cases and things like that are gonna develop differently because there are different plans as to how to address this. I'll say this really quickly. You know, I go into schools all the time uh, to cover stories. And there are some schools that as they open their doors for in-person learning, they were like, come on in, Wayne. We want to show you what we're doing. And there are other districts who have said, Wayne, you've been great. We love working with you, but we're not letting anyone in our buildings right now. And that's just kind of how it is. Every district is, is kind of tackling this their own way. And uh, I think we're going to see the, the fruits of that as we push through this. Wayne, we're going to let you go because you're like the busiest guy ever covering education, especially right now. But we appreciate you coming on our podcast on Lone Star Politics. We appreciate it. At Sunday, I get to rest for a day. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We miss you, Wayne. See you soon. Check out all of Wayne's work covering schools during the pandemic by visiting NBCDFW.com slash Carter in the classroom. And that wraps up our podcast this week. Thanks to Representative Colin Allred, Challenger Genevieve Collins, and Wayne Carter for joining us. For the latest in Texas politics, visit NBCDFW.com slash Lone Star Politics. We'll talk to you next week.